Welcome, Dougs. Episode number 66 six, six. Hey, the Unregulated Podcast. <laughs> I'm your co-host, Tom File. And I'm Mike McKenna, who's done the 66 run twice with his daughter. So shout out to Margaret. All right. Well, here we are Thursday morning, January 13th. It seems later than that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, any announcements today? Want to get them out of the way? Uh, I just want to remind everybody that um, if you like the program, please review it. And uh, if you don't like it, you know, call us up and complain about it. Yeah, we don't we don't care at that point. You're right, exactly. Anyway, it's just exactly. I'm bulletproof on this stuff. I got people sending me emails on the column all the time. Okay. Um, also, I uh, um, will um, take some comments and feedback to heart and uh, we'll do our best to move this show along a little bit more quickly and not lo- not linger on on too many on too many uh, uh too many deals so uh you want to start with you mentioned oversight yeah i would just have um i, I want to start with two things real quick one is um uh yesterday this morning it was reported that uh, Congressman McCarthy, Minority Leader McCarthy, announced that if he was in charge of the House of Representatives, he was going to focus on oversight. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, the reason why we're laughing is because oversight is what people say when they don't have anything they actually want to accomplish. Well, also, Um, um, it's part of your job. Right. Yeah. You got a whole committee. You got a whole committee designed just to do that. And and last time I remember uh, the House Republicans focusing on oversight, we we labored for months and months about Benghazi and came up with nothing and came up with zero about um, Fast and Furious and came up with. If it makes you feel any better, zero. If it makes you feel any better, Dan Burton and Dave Bossy went round and round and round on the various Clinton things and came up with zero. So. I'm not saying that um, that the Republicans aren't any good at this, but the Republicans aren't any good at this. So I hearken all the way back to when I was on the Hill and the Republican uh, Interior Department or Natural Resources Committee investigated an official at Interior who was on the dime of an organization, a lefty organization, <laughs> was getting paid by them. Of course. Okay. And had made a very solid case, my friend, I'll... Um, I won't name him, um, but he was he was an investigator on the committee who had a button open and shut case on this guy, took it to leadership, and they killed it. They were about to put a contempt resolution on the floor, and they killed it. Why? Well, we don't want to, you know, um, muddy the message going into the into the holidays. Huh. Right. We'd rather have the much clearer. No, no, message. sorry, not the holidays, the convention. Right. We'd much we don't ra- want to muddy the message. We'd much going rather into the we'd much convention. rather have a clear message that we intend to do nothing. So um so anyway, oversight, I laughed. And you know what? That story's gonna get written every week and every week I'm gonna lead with it and I'm gonna laugh. <laughs> the other thing I want to talk about real quick is that there were three senators in the news, two senators in the news this week. One was dead, um, Harry Reid, right? It is fitting that he laid in state yesterday and that his entire laying in state got trampled by um, President Biden's terrible, awful, partisan, um, illogical, bad speech in Atlanta. Um, I, I, as I sat there and watched uh, the body of, of Senator Reid, I thought, this is a fitting, fitting end to a guy, right? The other thing you know, I want to... Can I put a finer point on that? Sure. The level of hyperbole and partisan vitriol in that speech was quite fitting. Oh yeah. For for a gentleman oh, yeah. by, of Harry Reid's stature well, laying in laying in state. And by the way, who, who aren't we going to lay in state now? Everybody. Like, have they have they lowered the bar so well, low? Let, let let's just let me just go let me just go down this road for just a second or two, right? Harry Reid is a um and I'm going to write this in a column probably tomorrow morning. Harry Reid is is a is a Washington story, right? Not the way everybody thinks. Everyone's like, oh, is he a young barefoot kid from Searchlight who makes it all the way to the United States Senate, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, yeah, that's one part of the story. Here's the other part of the story. Senator Reid came to Washington as a pro-gun, pro-life 
um, pro-strong borders, um, Westerner, right? Of modest means, somewhat <clears throat> modest means. Right. I don't want to ask how he got 10 million bucks, but I know the answer to it. Um, and it was important enough for him to be an important man in town that over the course of his lifetime, he gave up everything that mattered to him um, with respect to philosophy and policy, right? And and he laid in state, and I'm sort of grateful that it was widely ignored. Let me tell you a story about two other senators, another one who's dead, Robert Dole, right? who had a very similar story, right, from the Great Plains of America, right, Russell, Kansas. But unlike Harry Reid, Bob Dole went to his war, got wounded, grievously wounded, came to Washington, and somehow managed to hold on to um, all of his beliefs. Came to, came to Washington as a small government, um, you know, pro-life wasn't a question when Bob got here, but no doubt pro-life guy. Mm-hmm. Um, pro-gun, strong borders, believer in the American dream, and managed to hold on to that throughout the entirety of his life, despite the fact that the ruling motif in this town fights against it. Um, Bob Dole deserved to lay in state. I'm going to let everybody else make their own decisions about whether they think Harry Reid did. But if you had to pick whose life you would rather have led, there's no question. There's no question. And if you had to have picked whose friend you would want to be or whose son or whose grandson? Again, no question. The other thing that struck me about the two, there were lots of um, Democrats who said nice things about Bob Dole and and pointed out his bipartisanship and all that other stuff, right? Now, you and I are deeply skeptical of bipartisanship and appropriately so. We know what bipartisanship means, and I'll get into that in my comments on um, it too. The interesting thing about the comments about Harry Reid, not a soul mentioned his bipartisanship. Nobody. Everybody said, oh, he was a brawler and a boxer and a fighter. Let's just lay it out here. I know you're not supposed to speak ill of the dead, but Harry Reid was a miserable SOB, and everybody knew it, and that's just that. The third senator I want to talk about real quick is Mike Rounds. Mike Rounds committed a truth on television, and for it, he was attacked by the former president of the United States. He said that there was certainly not enough evidence in his mind, to overturn the 2020 elections, even if such a thing were possible, which it's not, sports fans. Um, a perfectly reasonable and defensible position. In response, uh, my former employer attacked him and called him a jerk. Um, this stuff's got to end. This is not helping anybody. Right? If we're going to spend, if we're going to go into 2022 with this, Kevin McCarthy can have all the oversight he wants. You know, people aren't going to vote for people aren't going to vote for a party that that just can't tell the truth to them. That's just that. What What did Mitch McConnell say on the floor? <laughs> <laughs> the thing about Rounds is the interesting thing about Senator Rounds. You know, he recently his wife recently died after a fairly lengthy battle with cancer. I have to think an experience like that makes him not particularly concerned about what anybody says about of him. Course. Truth tellers are dangerous people no matter where you find them. I would not have expected Senator Rounds to be the truth teller here, but here it is. And then, of course, Mitt Romney proceeded to muddy the waters by congratulating Senator Rounds instead of just letting him tell his truth and sit down. It, it Gaius Germanicus, Gaius Caesar Augustus Germanicus, his full name, was an emperor um, in the um, third and fourth decades after the birth of Christ, right? And uh, he didn't really care for the Senate very much. At one point, he he uh, made his horse a senator and threatened to make a council, <laughs> right? Incitatus was his horse's name. And I remember when I first read this in Latin class, I was like, that sounds crazy. But the older I get, the more I kind of wonder. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, sorry, that's a lot, but I want to no, get it. No, that's all good. I, a couple quick things about Senator Dole, too, to, to your point, because uh, we, we I kind of know him a little bit personally. Um, he never stopped doing stuff for people either. Like that was the thing. Like he did his thing. He worked at the law firm. He made a bunch of money for you sure. know for the firm and himself. But he he didn't stop. Like he, my sister said, he would like figure out who he could help in Kansas, like one person a day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he would do that, okay? 
Like, he was a nice guy all the way through. Yeah, these, these, these Midwesterners, you can't take them anywhere. They actually think they're supposed yeah. to be about something, right? The other thing I will say, too, on the, on the bipartisan garbage is <laughs> that um, it irked me to no end. And, it, and, and this is what Democrats love to do, where they love to take a Republican who may have crossed over party lines and voted with them occasionally and basically like put them on a pedestal because sure. they were somehow enlightened and were able to see the light and, and come and do the right thing, right? And that's sort of what was the theme of sure. D- Dashiell's um, speech at, at Dole's memorial. And it drives me absolutely nuts because like I had my battles with Bob Dole when, when, when I was in the House leadership, but he went, he was on our side the right side, the good side. Of course. Way more than when he crossed over. Of course. And when he crossed over, and this is my point about January 6th when we were talking about, it was pr- it was pretty much stuff that's pretty obvious to, to folks, right? Like they get. Yeah, man. I mean, you know? It, it, ADA, not a fan, but I get it, sure. right? Like pretty strong bipartisan stuff. Like sure. you don't need a filibuster. You can break a filibuster type stuff is what Bob it, it, Dole was it, for, that's right? right. It, it, you know, it, it, um, the big problem in the Republican Party may be that we are run by Southerners now instead of Midwesterners. You know, it, it could be part of it. The, the, you know, the party was a little bit too soft, on my, in my opinion, when we were run by Midwesterners. But there was some solid core of sensibility right it's funny you mentioned that too because it's sort of like bob michael newt gingrich bob michael i have specifically bob michael in mind as a guy who's a bit of a surrender monkey right right the thing you gotta think you gotta know about senator dole is this is a guy who had a near-death experience totally unimpressed by well someone's not gonna like me he's just like yeah, yeah that, that's that's really sad, you know. <laughs> right. It's it's not quite the same level of gravity as taking a grenade in the middle of an assault at a German position. And that's my grounds too, right? Hey man, you just lost your wife after an extended battle with cancer. You really probably don't care all that much about people's opinions of you. You just kind of like, you know what? I'm just going to lay this thing out. Sure here. thing. Anyway. All right, so I want to do a little segment I call numbers. Yay. I love numbers. I'm going to say a number, and I want you to guess why it's important. It's significance. Mm. It's going to be stump, stump the consultant. Stump, stump the numbers guy. Okay. Stump the consultant. The number 33. Oh, yeah. Well, I know that. Um, I wanted to start with an easy one. I appreciate that. Mike McKenna wrote a column recently that said Joe Biden was the 33% man. Um because that's the actual number of people, percentage of people in the last election who voted for him. Thirty-three percent of the people voted for Joe Biden, right? Um, and 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 the rest of his support came from people who voted against Donald Trump. Because a friend of mine had asked me, um, "What's you know, what's the theoretical bottom of Joe Biden?" I believe Biden? that was me during a po- during an was during a podcast, podcast okay. episode. Yeah. It was, it was, it was. Yes, I remember it was. that. So so I went back and looked at the numbers. And if you remember on the podcast, what did I say? I said thirty-three percent. Thirty-three. Here we well, are. Ironically, here, here, a nationwide survey. Which, by from, the way, just so we know, just so everyone knows, I didn't know this survey was coming out. I wish I did. Quinnipiac? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Quinnipiac. Quinnipiac. Poll. Now, this is just 1,313 U.S. adults, so not even likely voters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. From January 7th to 10th with a margin of error of 27 Joe Biden has a negative 33 to 53% job approval rating. Yeah, he's 20% under. He's 20 points under. Um, so in the column, which I know nobody read, so I'll tell you real quick what it was in, what it. Was in it. Um, when you're 20 points under, when you're at 33%, here's the territory you're in. Um, President Trump's lowest number was 37 for purposes of comparison, right? Um, Period. Ever. That's right. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Approval rating now as president, right? Um, we, when you're down at 33%, you are in territory only plumbed by um, two guys, Richard right? Richard Nixon? No. Not even Richard Nixon. Richard, Well, Richard Nixon got close, but not there. Um, I think Richard Nixon's lowest number is 35%. Uh, 
Jimmy Carter at the end, mm-hmm. right? Was it thirty? Was it was in the high twenties? After I like think. two and two years and change, right? Right, and you know yeah. the, the funny thing about Jimmy Carter is similar to Joe Biden. He had more people voting, ag- you know, against the other guy than voting for him, right? Because in the wake of Watergate, the Republicans were just too toxic for too many people. So he had his bottom, his floor was really low. And oddly enough, the other guy who who had those numbers, George Bush at the end, 43, not 41. George Bush at the end had similar numbers. So um, uh, president, if, if this gets replicated, and I think it's likely it's going to get replicated, he's going to be at his floor pretty quick. President's in some real trouble here. And and that that is shocking to me. He's in so much trouble. I mean, I the last two speeches he's given have been histrionic. The January sixth thing and a thing in Atlanta have been histrionic, have been hysterical, have been unrecognizable. Have been to some people who who he worked he worked with. I'm not going to be quiet anymore, Tom. I'm not going to be quiet. (laughs) I wish you would, man. Every every White House every White House staffer was like, oh no. All right, so uh, some other <laughs> more polling. numbers, more numbers. Well, in uh, same number or same topic, but some more numbers within the the big slide was among Democrats. Yeah. So in in November, the the same uh, post uh, polling uh, apparatus had Democrats eighty seven percent approval. Yeah. They're down to seventy five. That's a one month. In yeah. One yeah, month. Yeah. Well, I mean, he he, he you know. It's it's now obvious to everybody that he's not going to be able to deliver on any part of the agenda. And people non agenda driven, people actually performance driven, they're looking yeah. at inf- they're looking at inflation in Afghanistan, the same as we are, right? So just three other quick ones: the economy is thirty four percent approved, fifty seven disapproved; <laughs> what, foreign what? policy thirty five percent approved, fifty four disapproved; and Corona response: I'm going to shut down the virus. Yeah. 39% approved while 55% disapproved. Yeah, you know, the terrible thing about that is that virus is probably his, you know, is his, is his, is his selling point. It's his high number. It, he is heading towards bottom in all these issues, right? Yeah. And, and eventually it's just going it, to – it's not recoverable at a certain point, which is why – stop me if you've heard this before. He's going to get up after the midterms and announce he's not running. The other, and it's also why nobody in the cabinet is going to be able to run for for president either, because well, nobody even knows who's who's in the cabinet. Uh, so. uh, Mayor Pete's in the cabinet, and he's presiding over the supply chain disaster, and everybody knows that um, Vice President Harris is floating around. Uh, but, but you never see any of them anywhere, well, anywhere. At least I don't, because I don't watch MSNBC. So maybe maybe they're on there. Every are day. you trying to tell me that this cabinet doesn't actually exist? <laughs> I don't know. Mike Cardona exists. I'm not saying a word. I, mean, I would smart saying, answer. I'm not saying a word. <laughs> All right, here's another number. Ready? Seven. Let me, seven. Let me sharpen it up. Mickey Mantle's Plus seven percent. Oh, inflation. Yeah. Hold yeah, on. yeah. They, they... Teeing it up. Taking inflation soaring to its highest level in nearly 40 years, casting a shadow over America's entire economy. The stunning surge in December, 7% over a year ago. The pace of inflation slowing slightly over last month, still marking three straight months with inflation over 6%. It is bringing a lot of unnecessary stress, and it's already a struggle, especially living paycheck to paycheck. Lisa Gallegos is an elementary school office manager and a single mom of three in Colorado. Prices for gas and groceries are so high, like many Americans, she's had to start relying on a food bank. I'm fine. I can go with no meal a day, but I want to make sure that my kids at least have, you know, food um, in, in their bellies. Yeah. Um, two things about that number, right? First off, it's going to be get bigger because the producer price index was 9.6% in December. I'm sorry, November. So that's going to roll downhill into the CPI. That's thing one. Thing two is it's underestimated. Um yeah, we talked about yeah, that. Yeah, we did. And and the real number is probably closer to 10%. Of course, EPI, food and energy came in at plus 5.5, highest for, is 91. You know, the um, the economists predicted seven. And one of our, our friends, probably closer friend to you than me, said that this, this number hit seven. That's the doomsday number for Biden. Yeah, I, 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 truthfully, I think five is closer to the doomsday number, and I'll tell you why. Because um, most people got some some nice bumps in their pay last year, um, you know, four, six, four, five, six, seven percent. Um, yeah, you well, know, completely wiped out. Right. I was going to say all the wage gains have been wiped out. All the cap, you know, the the run up in the market, 
all of that stuff is is um, at risk here. Um, inflation destroyed three presidencies in the seventies, um, in in the sixties and the seventies, and if it doesn't change pretty quick, it's going to destroy this one too. Okay, so in the department of, it's not as bad as you think. Oh wait a minute, it is. Blame somebody else. I'm going to play our our esteemed NEC director at a at a White House Brian, press gag. Brian Deese. When it comes to uh, prices, what we have what we have said consistently, focused consistently, is that um, this is a global phenomenon. It is connected to the pandemic um, and the issues that um, that has uh, raised. Certainly, the supply chain challenges that have. Um, evolved over the course of time uh, through the Delta uh, variant and over the course of the fall um, have been issues that we've had to go and tackle uh, head on. Um, but I think that um, the uh, nomenclature aside, we uh, find ourselves in a position now where we are looking forward and, and, uh, and most uh, forecasters are projecting that the price increases will moderate. When okay. First of all, he's lying. I have no <laughs> and idea. And his own boss uh, was barking on a podium, not even in, in June of this year, of last year, saying that it was transitory and no respected economist thinks otherwise. Okay, so that's lie number one. And again, it's just a lot it's, of it's not my it's not our fault. It's a global just, problem. Just a We're lot just of, dealing with it just like a lot of word else. salad. Just a lot of word salad. The um you know the good news is is that it doesn't matter. Um, it is your problem. It, 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 you know, wh whatever the cause of it, guess what? It's yours now. And the cause of it's pretty simple, sports fans. Um, Fed's got whatever eight trillion more dollars on its balance sheet. There's been six trillion dollars pumped into an economy, and for the last three years, we've had no um, wealth growth in the United States. We have no economic growth in the United States. When you to value your currency, you're going to get a devalued currency, and yeah. that's what inflation is. It's a devaluation of the currency. Okay, do you think that that do you think that some of these folks on the Hill would pay attention to this? No. In addition to still trying to get Build Back Better, yeah. there's a re reports that Steny Hoyer, oh yeah, is pushing an imminent request from the White House for substantial sums of money. To beat back another wave of COVID, yeah, give a, a bunch Omicron, of a bunch of money for the Omicron stuff. Nailed our producer and my father this week. And you know who's back in this? Oh, big yeah. business. Yeah, of course, of course. The chamber and all those at the troughs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, I'm not surprised. It, it. Um, I, I, if you're a Democrat, I get it totally. If you're a Democrat, you're going to lose the House. You're going to lose the Senate. You're going to lose the presidency, probably. You might as well go ahead and try to install as much of this stuff as you can, knowing full well the Republicans will never take it out, right? I mean, think. Did did Minority Leader McCarthy say, hey, man, our first thing is— Is <laughs> to stop spending money. to stop spending money. <laughs> right. We're going to—or or to roll back the reconciliation or to, like, do any of that stuff? No, what do you say? Yeah, we're going to oversee the spending of money, make sure everything is, you know, on the up and up. But we're not actually going to do anything to roll it back. It— at least he didn't say my favorite Republican line. Hey, we're going to hold the line. Hold the line? Hold the line? Your position's been overrun for 20 years. What the hell are you talking about? So, yeah, inflation's bad. It's not going to get better. And the um, the team Biden is – it seems like I say this every week. I'll say it again. Um, I was wrong about them. You know, I thought they were going to be great and competent and – just really good at what they do and really ferocious warriors. And you know what? They're not. They're just like professors who have like gone sour. You know, they're, they're, it's like the, the Deese guy, right? I mean, you listen to that. None of it's English. Yeah, he's... None of it's English. He couldn't just get up and say, look, here's our problem, right? And here's what we're doing about it. And you know, the truth of the matter is the Fed's going to increase rates four times next year. Chances right, going on. I'm looking for a new house too, thanks. But in all fairness... All of that money, that six trillion, um, that six trillion is yet to be really get on the street. Most of it, and the other thing is, and the the infrastructure stuff is is they're just sure, now starting to pump that course. into you. And you know, and the, and the Fed's talking about selling off their selling off some of their portfolio this year too. I'm like, to to who? Who's going to want to hold any of that stuff? So, I'm not sure how this story ends. But I know we're at the beginning of it, not the end of it, right? And we're not even in the middle of it yet. Yeah. Okay. So another number numbers that's related. Yes. To this conversation. Yes. 
is 700. 700. The number of home runs Babe Ruth hit <laughs> after after having a bunch of beers. After I, projected, uh, you know, I, into the steroid era. No. Give me a hint. 700 is the number of earmarks requested by oh, House yeah, Republicans. Yeah, 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 yeah. More than 108 Republicans. On the infrastructure thing? Ha- no, earmarks for the appropriation bill. Yeah, yeah, earmarks yeah. are back. Yeah, well, they have to. They have to. So 220 House Democrats requested more than 2,000 projects. Sure. 700 Republicans who banned earmarks yeah. requested- 100 uh, Republicans. Uh, 108 Republicans yeah. requested 700 projects. Uh, in the Senate, there were 60 senators, including 16 Republicans, who have secured already earmarks in their appropriation bill. So uh, neither House uh, Minority Leader McCarthy nor Senate Minority Leader McConnell have sought projects this year adhering to the quote-unquote history uh, in which earmarks became politically taboo. But Scalise has, Stefanik has, Thune and Blunt, and Blunt's leaving, so he doesn't care and never really probably did. No, he didn't. Let me, me okay, first off, earmarks in this case are important, right? Nobody's nobody's gotten anything yet because we haven't done appropriations for this year. And the reason why we're going to do an omnibus, not a CR for 23 is because that infrastructure money starts rolling in 23. And if we don't earmark it, if we don't earmark it, um, it rolls into Buttigieg, uh, Secretary Buttigieg's um, personal slush fund, right, which I think is $200 billion. So we're going to have to earmark it. And, and that's the other thing, right, the, that you need to kind of, kind of watch as it goes as you go around a corner – here that the earmarks, the necessity of earmarks, and the necessity therefore of an omnibus is what's going to ultimately crack up the BBB, right? Because people are just going to be like, "Look, forget it. It's dead. We need to move right, on and right. do an omnibus thing." Now, are you telling me the Republicans are a little bit hypocritical? Yeah, it it it's a bit much. On the other hand, if the choice is letting Secretary Buttigieg lay the money out where he wants it, I understand. It, I understand. Yeah. But here's my concern: just like everything else in Washington. Once you start a practice, yes. it's never going away. Yes. What happened during the earmark ban era is that the DOE, Department of Energy, yeah. DOT, these slush funds exploded Yeah, because that is how they got around it. You plussed up a bunch of budgets over at these agencies, and then you call them over call and them said, over, sure. hey, um, I want this project over here at this yeah. lab or this place or that or the other. And that's going to happen and the earmarks. That's right. Are both going to happen That's because right. we're not going to replace one with the other. That's right. Just like our argument about carbon taxes, for example. Uh, you know, I, 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 so nothing good, nothing good came out of the ban if the result of the ban was to plus up program unnecessary and unneeded departments well, and agencies on top of adding the earmarks. I get earmarks; they help get bills through, and maybe it'll help reduce this end of the year annual omnibus garbage where we shove all thirteen bills into one. But I'm afraid now that we've got both yeah, of those, these those things going simultaneously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right? let me. Okay, so I was never in favor of the ban. Um, the older I've gotten, the more I'm softer on that um, opposition to the ban. Um, you know, and and uh, Tom McClintock of all people is is talking me out of it, right? He's he's like, you know, we should be against earmarks. My my whole theory has always been better to have this stuff above board. I, I don't Be- better to have this stuff above board where it's actually written down. It's in legislative language. You're just like, okay, I get it. Um, and you know what? I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable with appropriators appropriating and letting voters vote. I really am. But you're right. This is the worst of both worlds now. And and it's a fundamental flaw in the legislation itself, right? Nobody should give anybody a pot of money. Just a hey, here's two hundred billion dollars, because you know it's going to set off a scramble among everybody. Oh, do, 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 do. I want to designate, designate, designate. I want to earmark. Yeah. So it it it's a problem, and you know the whole appropriate. I mean, this is this is some for for a, a podcast in the middle of summer. We have nothing else to talk about. Um, the whole appropriations process is totally busted. It's completely broken, and the, the entire people, budget process, the, yeah, the entire it, process it, is busted, this, broken. This, We've been talking about this ad nauseum. Well, the 74 Budget Act is a particular – it's a dinosaur, right? It's 50 years old, and it just – nobody – doesn't work anymore. It makes no sense. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. More numbers. 52. The weeks in a year. <laughs> <laughs> 
This apparently is the number that Joe Biden thinks is a minority in the United States Senate. Oh, 52. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, this theme keeps coming up over and over. Now, these are the 52 on record. These aren't the other four or five Democrats right. who are That's hiding right. behind, as you said a couple weeks ago, Senator Sinema's skirt. That she said. That she said. I just repeated. Um, yeah. This is the number now that um, Joe Biden uh, insists is calling a minority for the voting rights stuff. That he that his. I'm not even going to play his speech because no. it was no, disgusting. You, should. you shouldn't. But I am going to play a couple of clips because they're they're warranted. You want to do that now? Nope. I can do it after. Okay. Now, I was just going to take a slight detour off this thing and say, hey, I don't understand any of this voting rights thing. The um, you know, the fact that Stacey Abrams and her entire um, coterie of uh, civil rights folks didn't show up for the speech, yeah, that to me was all planned anyway. That was a sort of a thing. Where it's like, oh, so. it's, it's, a, it's a story to create a story. Because I've always thought, because I always thought that, but also you don't hang around with a guy who's like at the lowest point in polling true. history. True, I've always thought that for you know, I, I thought this thing was about a response to a particular constituency. The, their absence of the speech makes me wonder about that, right? Because, you know, somebody asked me, how many votes do they have in the Senate for this thing? I'm like, somewhere between 42 and 46. They don't even have 50. They sure don't have 52. Right? They don't have 60. They have somewhere between 42 and 46. So I don't understand why all this thing is going on. The other thing that's gotten lost is I distinctly remember Senator Schumer telling me he was going to put the BBB on the floor first thing in the Senate. Where is that? Yeah. Where is it, Chuck? Well, we've had some snow days, Mike, so you know, you give him a break. He was probably stuck at home for a couple The fact days. that no reporters asked him about this right. just, just kills me, right? The other thing, one thought that, that, that I don't want to sound like, I don't like sound like the guy who I am, but um, president's president of the United States. He's not president of Congress. This guy wants to be president of Congress, and that's a mistake. You mean Biden? Yes. That's a mistake. Going anywhere and talking about a Senate rule, and that's what the filibuster is. It's a Senate rule. That's for the small people to do. That's for people like you and me and Chuck Schumer to do. This guy's the president of the world, and he wants to be— But he's not. He's tired of being quiet. Hey, my brother. <laughs> he wants to be Senate. We should. You should get that on a loop, like, like, I, like, I like Secretary Granholm's I'm going to have my producer get me a, a um, loop. Of, of of all the best, I, the greatest hits. Yes, of small little like Grand Holmes laugh. Hey, we gotta weave it into the it, show. It it he's getting some really bad advice because he's not going to win this fight, and the climb down is going to be bad. He needs to be president of the United States, not president of Congress. He got it. Somebody has but, to tell him that. But they're, I mean, they're gonna now waste a good three weeks on this. Right. On well, top of everything else that they're wasting time on. They have nothing else to do this year, really. I mean, they have so, no other agenda item. So what the hell? Why not? So so in terms of, of Biden's. I mean, keep in mind. Oh, well, you first. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, keep in mind, their big plan in life was to get the the BBB thing done last year and then do this thing around the sixth and then start voting for all these expiring provisions to extend them this year. Yeah. But obviously you can't vote to extend something that you didn't vote to set up originally. So, so their whole, their whole um, legislative strategy has been cratered by, by back in BBB into this year. Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay. If you think, if we think the speech was too much, yeah. when you lose this guy, you know you went a little overboard. But you're comparing, or Biden is comparing, and you're not criticizing, the idea of a legislator reducing the number of days for early voting from 15 to 10, or wanting voters to present a photo ID before they vote. You're comparing that to Bull Connor, who literally set dogs upon civil rights protesters, George Wallace, who said segregation today, segregation forever, I'm paraphrasing, or, or Jefferson Davis, the president of the traitorous Confederacy. I mean, isn't that a little stark? It is stark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Dick Durbin. <laughs> okay, I only brought <clears throat> that clip into account because I want to ask you, Jake Tapper, what does... What do Bull Connor, George Wallace, 
and Jefferson Davis all have in common, Mike? Uh, they were all Democrats. Boom! They were all Democrats. They were all Democrats. Um, Who George Wallace, uh, by the way, praised Joe Biden at one time, and I don't remember him insisting on on uh, not receiving that praise, if I if I recall the history. If George Wallace hadn't been shot in Prince George's County in 1972, he would have been president in 1976. There's zero doubt in my mind. Zero doubt in my mind. I would point out that the Confederacy wasn't traitorous. Yeah, uh, they they just wanted to be left alone. Right. I, I, there are many people who share that general sentiment. Okay, so the whole the whole thing is now the way that the and I would point I game. would point out that it's a hell of a thing when Jacob Tapper. Yeah. Um, Asked that question to Dick Durbin, who's like, "Yeah, I don't want any part yeah, of that. I don't want Dick any. Durbin, I don't want any." You lose Dick Durbin on a speech, on a partisan speech. <laughs> I don't want. You any. know, you might have. You, you, your I writers get, need to cool it down a notch. Yeah, well, you know, Dick, right? Like it's a joke. Dick, Dick Durbin. You know, of course you know it else? is. I, I tried not to watch most of it, but I did hear. I did catch a few times. No, it's not hyperbole. Yeah, brother, that it's guy. It's not a joke. Again, Durbin, for all his flaws, is from the great middle of the country, and you can just tell from the answer. Yeah, I don't want any part of this, Jake. I'm not. I'm not playing this game. I liked it. All right. So uh, this is all. Of course, the setup here is is that they're outraged um, that the the Republicans all around the country, uh, the racist Republicans, are are eviscerating voting rights, and so we need to fix it all by passing federal legislation to federalize voting. And well, those darn Republicans just won't play ball. So we need to amend the filibuster. And now uh, the two leaders on this, as you mentioned, are the president, who was once a senator, who said this. I say to my friends on the Republican side, you may own the field right now, but you won't own it forever. And I pray God when the Democrats take back control, we don't make the kind of naked power grab you are doing. But I'm afraid you will teach my new colleagues the wrong lessons. We're the only Senate in the Senate as temporary custodians of the Senate. But the Senate will go on. And I can see my time is up. Let me conclude by saying, again, mark my words. History will judge this Republican majority harshly, harshly, if it makes this catastrophic move. He even fumbled his words back in 2005, harshly. if you noticed that. Harshly. And then here, of course, is the current Senate majority leader who had this to say about the filibuster. The bottom line is very simple. The ideologues in the Senate want to turn what the founding fathers called the cooling saucer of democracy into the rubber stamp of dictatorship. We will not let them. Is this is this the same guy who threatened Supreme Court justices a year ago? Yeah, it is. Is that the same guy? It is. Okay, well, just more. They want, because they can't get their way on every judge, to change the rules in midstream, to wash away 200 years of history. They want to make this country into a banana republic, where if you don't get your way... You change the rules. Are we going to let them? No. Hell no, Senator Schumer. We're not going to let them. All right. Okay. I, I know. We don't have to. We don't have to belabor it. Okay. We don't have to belabor it. I just think it's funny, like like how easily uh, uh, opinions change uh, around here, and no one seems to bat an eyelash about it. So. It, it well, you know, the Washington Times did actually an analysis of it. It it showed that all these senators on both sides had basically voted for the filibuster to keep it right, like fifteen thousand times right, each right. over the last. Right, of course, yeah, so it's like a ping pong match. And, and right? they asked me about it. I'm like, it's, it's shirts and skins, guys. What what you know? It's always been shirts and skins for as long as I've been here, which is why you're never going to get filibuster reform because it's always a shirts and skins game and. You just, you're never going to have 60 votes to bop the rule. That's just that. You're not even really going to have 50 votes to bop the rule. Okay, so last thing on all of this, and I want to play a, a clip from your buddy from Florida, just because it's kind of funny. Lay it on me. Last week, the vice president of the United States told us that a riot that happened here in the U.S. Capitol last year was the equivalent the day in which Japan attacked us at Pearl Harbor and the U.S. was pulled into a world war that took the lives of over 3% of the world's population.
And yesterday we were treated to the president telling us that election laws that are being passed by various states across the country over the last year are basically the, the, the same, the equivalent of the segregation that existed in this country in the 1950s and 60s and before. Now look, if your daily routine is to wake up in the morning and turn on MSNBC as you ride your Peloton and, and then you go on Twitter as you're drinking your caramel macchiato and then you're reading the New York Times as you're eating your avocado toast. I imagine all this makes perfect sense to you. After all, for these people, they believe this ridiculous narrative that every Republican, every Republican is an insurrectionist, probably a racist, wants to overthrow the U.S. government and wants to destroy democracy. The good news is that the overwhelming majority of Americans happen to live back here on planet Earth. And what they're worried about, to the extent they even paid attention to any of the stuff that's been said over the last two weeks, what they're really worried about is the fact that everything costs more. You go to the grocery store and the shelves are empty. They have a small business and they hire someone on Monday who just disappears on Thursday and never comes back. You've got Every day, thousands of people illegally entering the United States across an open border. And by the way, we have a surge of violent crime and lawlessness across the country. That, that's probably what they're worried about. In fact, I know it is on a daily basis. But to the extent they paid attention to any of this, let me tell you something. First of all, I think almost everyone would tell you that what happened on January 6th here was a terrible thing. It should never have happened, and it should never happen again. But I don't care how many candlelight vigils and musical performances you have from the cast of Hamilton. You're not going to convince at least more most normal and sane people that our government last year was almost overthrown by a guy wearing a Viking hat and Speedos. <laughs> yeah. That kind of encapsulates. Yeah, it does. How it I it, feel it does. And, you know, we're, we're obviously getting to the point where, where we're like. <laughs> I'm not sure which part I like. Eventually, better. the center of gravity. We're coming back to a center of gravity. The Twitter, right? the, the yeah, the, the characterization, the, the characterization of a liberal or the the, the Viking head of speedos. Democracy is at risk. Come on, man. Nobody believes that. It's All right, like, it, it it is hyperbole to borrow from my friend, the president. All right, what else you got? It's a joke. It's not a joke. Okay, I got another number for you. One thousand and fifteen. One thousand and fifteen. One thousand and fifteen. 1,015. Uh, okay, that, that I'm lost on. The number of vehicles Rivian produced in 2021. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Here's a corollary to that number. 83. The number they recall later on. The current stock price of Rivian, well, which mean, has been reduced by about 50% since the yeah. hyperinflated yeah. Since IPO it, and, and the, the valuation of this company. It's lost about 50% over what, the last sig- three, four, insane, five months? Insane, insane. Yeah. Um, well, the, 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 the canary in the coal mine there is the chief financial officer rolled out, like, what, a couple of weeks ago? In, in the dark of night yeah, over man. the holidays. Yeah, and nobody told anybody. Yeah. It's always and he a bad changed sign. his LinkedIn status. It's and that's how sign, the street right? found out about it. It's always a bad sign. It, it okay. you know, they won't be, they, they, they won't be the first. They're not going to be the last here. Meanwhile, <laughs> in their, um, uh, supposedly the, the plans for their, uh, Georgia site, their Georgia facility that they're planning to build leaked. And, um, they're looking for nearly 20 million square feet of buildings complete with a test track and an adventure trail and also in the no- in the notes that were leaked they said they may also put together um some renewable energy production um possibly a hotel a health club some daycare <laughs> some restaurants and recreation facilities these guys so, building a car or i don't what? even what know what's they... happening in the world anymore know, these guys like this... is this a, ca- a car company seriously or a lifestyle company because that's what evs are is actually i just got it bingo the light went off it's a luxury good these are lifestyle products these are not automobiles it's a it's a luxury good it's a it's a it's for the rich folks it's a luxury good i'm gonna go visit my the the place where my ev was born where my truck was born and oh by the way uh i'm gonna go jeff bezos was supposed to buy all these rivians he's now like moved on of course so i don't know like where the bottom is for this particular boutique startup that the street seems to have fallen in love with but i don't see a bright and i bet you their bottoms lower, future for i bet you their bottoms lower than 33 <laughs> <laughs> tying it back to the numbers all right um 26 
26. The date of my birthday. No. Well, it is. 26 is the number of sitting members of the House of Representatives in the Democratic Party who are no longer seeking re-election. Oh, that's actually, that number's 27 now. Uh, I think, I think. No, no. It's 26. Is, this, is that as of this morning? Is of this morning. Okay. Earl, Earl Ed Perlmutter from Colorado. Yeah, bailed out. On January 10th, he wasn't. Yeah, he bailed. Yeah, okay. I'm sorry. I thought, it's 37 is the total number, right? Because there are 11 Republicans who are either. 46 is the total number of, I don't know how many retirements, but that was my other number. 46. Is everybody. Is the number of open seats in the House as of today. Yeah. Uh, that, yesterday. <coughs> that's not all This that. morning, Republican Trey Hollingsworth from Indiana announced that he's- uh, I knew there was election. something that happened today. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. That, that um, was today. Yeah. Look, here's the bottom line is that's not really all that much. 40 is about the average, 40, 45. You only need to start worrying when you get around 50. The, the, the tricky thing for the Democrats is- a lot of the people who are leaving are leaving safe Democratic seats, which are going to be filled by. Um, well, it depends on the primaries. It, right? it doesn't really. They're going to be filled by members of the Progressive Caucus. Yeah. The, the the Democratic Caucus is going to become smaller and lurch leftward. Um, and the Republican Caucus is going to become bigger and probably lurch towards the center. Mm-hmm. Um, which is going to cause some heartburn. That's but okay. That's how, that's how the world's supposed to work, team, right? except the lurching leftward. So thing. the Perlmutter seat is interesting because it was re- redrawn and it was a safe D, uh, 538 had yeah. that D plus 15. Yeah, it's about The what? new district is D plus six. Six, yeah. So it's tightened up a little bit. So it's possible yeah. that in a certain a wave election, you yeah, can snag yeah. A, you, you, you get a good, you get the seat. right candidate. You get the right candidate. Yeah, you would. And and you know, Ed. Um, everybody forgets. You know, Ed's been here for freaking ever. Um, but he was a bit of a joke when he when he when he first ran. Right. <laughs> um, everyone's like, really? And then he won. So you know, people. The thing about wave elections, you know, this as well as I, anybody. The thing about wave elections is you get a lot of people who who like win seats, and you're like. Really? Yeah, and then they can hang on. And right? some of them hang on, some yeah. get washed out. But you know, you're just and Ed, Ed's obviously hung on. Yeah, I hope I'm hopeful that um, you are right, though. That Let me give a shout Republican out. Republican Party that this this 2022 cycle brings in a a, a healthy amount of of Republicans on sort of across the board. I, I'm even as hard like sort of hard edged as I am. I think that. That would be pretty good for the for getting back to basics. I think so too. Right? Bottom line is, wave elections are like this. You can, you don't have a wave election unless you can win districts like the Ed Perlmutter right. district with with somebody who's more centrist. So right. so the the very the very um, function of the wave brings in the people that you sort of need to um, refresh yourself a little bit. Yeah. Question some assumptions you might have in your own head. Okay, I got two more numbers for you. <clears throat> 72. Uh, 72. The, yeah, the jersey number of Ed Two Tall Jones with the Cowboys. Great, that great and player. That this is how many days has passed since Joe Biden's last press conference. Oh, how would anybody know such a thing? I was at 72. How many press conferences has the guy had? Two? Uh, I don't four? have that number. Producer, look look it up for us. Producer, stop <laughs> stop spreading your COVID all over the place and help us. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, 72. I. It's it's going to be – he's not going to be a press conference guy. He's just not. Well, he can't be. Even though he's tired of being quiet. I know, right? Okay, I have one more number for you. Nine. Number nine. Roger Maris. No, sir. That is the temperature in Fahrenheit that will be – I will be enjoying oh, in Buffalo. Buffalo, New York this weekend <laughs> when I go up to visit family. <laughs> nine. <laughs> um, I'm sure wind chill is going to be dropping below, like you know, ten below. Yeah. Right? it's going to be windy. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be windy. Now the good news is, is I'm going to be uh, at a. Do you have tickets to the game? No, uh, yeah. I don't think it's in Buffalo. It's in Buffalo. Is it? Yeah. Anyway, we're going to have a. I'm going to be watching the game with with a bunch of people, a bunch of family members. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be so. a super spreader event, is what you're it, saying. I'm, I'm pretty much anticipating that. I'm rooting. Although like, we're all going to get tested before we leave, so we don't bring it with us, and we can't be. Bleeding, I'm rooting so. like hell for the Bills because if the Bills and the Chiefs play in the AFC Championship, we got tickets. So, I know that would be awesome. Well, Kansas that City outdoors be, and in late January is going to be, be cold. a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah so heading fun. up to Buffalo this weekend. Balmy nine degrees. Can't wait. Very excited. Yeah. What what's the answer, producer? Nine. Nine total news conferences. There we go. Nine that total. That seems like a lot. 
probably. I mean, we, it's probably. Although Donald Trump did a news conference pretty much say, in, for Trump four straight like, years. I was going right? to say, he probably had 200 of them. <laughs> he man, was so. his own comms director, uh, which is either a blessing or a curse. And Stephanie Grisham, she'll tell you. Yeah. All well, right. Um, I got one quick word salad from the vice president. Let's have Would it. you like to hear it? Yeah. All right. Hang on. At what point does the administration say, you know what? The strategy isn't working. We're going to change strategies. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. <laughs> every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. Okay, that. <laughs> I think that one rivals the one that she gave in France. God Almighty! In terms of response, God I don't Almighty. think interviews are her strong suit. Just what remember, do you, what do you think? just remember, Caligula making his horse a consul. You got to, <laughs> which consuls are roughly the equivalent of vice presidents. So you got to be thinking about that. Man, that is just. All so right, what do we have gross. left? I'm done, pal. That's all I have. Today was all about the numbers. I just want to read six names to you real quick, and then I'll be done. You ready? Sure. Yeah. Virginia Svensson, Leanne Owen, Tamara Durand, Jane Kulik, Wilhelm Hospel, and Jackson Sparks. Now, those folks have not much in common. Um, they're all no longer with us on the side of the living divide. They were all killed by a driver in Waukesha, Wisconsin, at a Christmas parade. And since the mainstream media won't ever ask, answer, or identify those names, I thought I wanted to just read them and remind everybody that the killer has yet to be brought to justice, and it is solely because it did not fit the narrative. And memory that, hold, is that the, what the expression memory hold, is these memory days? Memory hold is what is what the young George Orwell fans call it. But anyway, I just wanted to, to read that because I thought I thank you very we're much two months that. on and I wanted to, everybody to remember it. I thank you very much for that. Um, what else you got? Is that it? That's a wrap for me, my friend. Um, uh, tomorrow, Friday, um, the um, third Friday of – second Friday in January. The middle Friday in January is, used to, of course, be Lee Jackson Day in the Commonwealth of Virginia. If you celebrate it, I hope you have a very happy Lee Jackson Day. And Monday is um, uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Day. If you celebrate that, I hope you have a happy one. All right. Sounds good. Well, let's wrap it up. Number 66 in the books. That's the best. Get your kicks on Route 66. All right, everyone. Peace out. <laughs> Namaste. Go Bills.